I guess the beginning, I may share it with everyone. I'm in the sculpture garden, and I'll share them uh, the sculpture of the uh, Spartan awesome. here. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. All yeah. right. You ready? We are recording. Yes. Are we recording? Yes, we are recording. All right. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Sparking School Magic. I have Dan Cockrell with me today, and we're going to talk about branding your story. How are you, Dan? Good, Lori. How are you doing today? How's New York? Excellent. Tell us where you are, Dan. Well, I've been in France for about a week and a half uh, with my parents and our, our kids came over to visit and my, my seeing my wife's family. And we're in a place called Le Beau de Provence right now. It's where Van Gogh did a lot of his painting. And so there's uh, some pretty neat places to see here. I'm in the sculpture garden, so I'll share with everyone. It's kind of a random sculpture of a Spartan soldier. And then in the distance is a giant ear. I guess that's one Van Gogh chopped off at some point. So I'm not much on history about that stuff, but it's a pretty cool place. Pretty cool. Well, it fits perfectly with what we're talking about, branding your story and sharing your story. And certainly we can learn a lot from Van Gogh and history. So, you know, this, this topic actually came in from one of our listeners uh, who is a, a parent and wanted to know a little bit more about how you go about building a brand within your school or uh, creating a logo that talks about what your school or what your company or what your business is all about. And I think about Disney, certainly, you know, who knew three black circles put together would be such a success for a company, but it's, it's more than just that. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to ask you a little bit, being in all of the different uh, areas at Disney where you worked, certainly the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, they had yearly themes beyond just the sculpture of Mickey Mouse and, and the uh, three black circles. But when you had a year-long theme, talk to us a little bit about how you share that um, theme with the public. Yeah, so uh, there's a, we, we talked about uh, internal and external branding, how we would talk to our internal employees about what we're doing and how we're talking to our guests about what we're doing. And there is, uh, to your point, the culture and uh, that, that remains the same. That's always the same. But every, every time you want to do a branding and a logo, there's a lot of um, marketing to it. And it really is a big, it's, a lot of it's very psychological in nature. And I, I didn't, when I was in operations, I was pretty practical. And for years, I didn't really understand why the color scheme and the fonts and the way you use the logos was so important. But as I got long, further and further into my career, I realized that it really lights up psychologically, lights up your mind when you see an image and you associate it with a, uh, um, uh, an emotion or experience you had. And so every, every year when we launched a new campaign, uh, you know, Year of a Million Dreams, um, right. or you, we did, we did one last, uh, one summer on, you know, sort of around last chances, last chances to see the magic with your family and that kind of thing. Uh, the team would come out, the marketing team would come out with a whole, uh, what they call the style guide. And they said, here's the colors you use. Here's what you use together. Here's the, the fonts you need to use. And every time you talk about this campaign, you need to use this to be consistent because people love consistency. They love it to look similar. And if you think about some of your favorite brands, whether it's, Walt Disney World or Amazon or Starbucks, you know, you see that image and instantly you just know what it means, you know what it is, and you're excited by it. So we would use that. Even when I left Disney, I went to a, a, someone outside of Disney who does marketing, and I asked for a style guide. 
So I asked for, you know, we came up with my logo and I like the, the colors red and white. We talked about why we use certain colors. You know, certain colors are maybe too soft and certain colors are too aggressive. And so you want to find something in the middle. And uh, so we talked a lot about that. And we would do that with our cast members and, uh, and our guests. And so when the guests saw those logos, they knew it was part of the celebration. Um, all our, uh, when we sent out, um, even when we sent out information to our cast members and leaders of information they need to know, we would always format it the same way. It was, it'd be called a team talk. Everyone knew what the name of it was. And as soon as they saw that, 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 that font and that color, they knew it was something important they needed to read. So we really were, um, I guess, using visual language to uh, set up our expectations and, and set the tone for them. Yeah, I like that. It makes me think when I was a principal in Orlando, one of the schools, Southwood Elementary, uh, had a logo and the logo was Young Architects for Tomorrow, Building a Future Piece by Piece. And it literally was um, really a, a, an architectural building drawing that became an icon uh, on, on most everything we had, the teacher's folders, the student's agendas, the front door mat when you walked through the school. And it became more than just the logo. The logo certainly was, was the beginning of it. Uh, however, the group of teachers and parents took that logo and turned it into um, more of an action plan. So they were, they were sharing the story uh, using the logo as um, a way to describe what our school was like. And, you know, it goes back to culture, things that we've talked to before. The, the constructivist philosophy of creating your magic or creating your school together or building your education instead of students uh, turning the pages in a textbook and doing page 13, they, they um, you know, it was more than just that. It was about simulations and about getting uh, into it and students constructing their own knowledge. So I remember one of the most clever teachers teaching immigration they could have read about it in their social studies textbook and answered the questions one through five. Instead, this teacher had students kind of learning about what steerage was like. They went into the back of the auditorium and this kid sat together and said, wow, this is what it might have been like when, when our immigrants came to our country. So more experiential learning. And it all really stemmed from the crux of that school being that we are going to build our future piece by piece. We're going to build our education together. This is not a place where uh, you know, adults will tell you what to do. We're going to do it together. So that coming from the logo and then building it into the expectation of the, this is the way we do business here, uh, the, the importance of branding and, and starting with a logo can be really very life-changing for a school. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, logo obviously can't build culture on its own, but it is a... Um, it's a very strong, you know, humans, we're very strong with nonverbal cues. And we see right. things like that. And you think about, I was, I was just writing a chapter of my book and I, I took a quote out and it said, Napoleon, I don't know if I'm going to uh, quote it perfectly, but he said, uh, you know, men, it's, 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 it's a wonder what men will do for a little piece of colored ribbon, uh, ah. you know, referring to soldiers. And right. that fact, it, 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 it transmits a message this is who I am. This is what group I'm part of. And it, it instills pride. And uh, I saw that as, uh, as we were building the Junior Achievement uh, Leadership Academy. We, um, 
we had uniforms and there was a lot of discussion around whether we should require uniforms or not. Sure. And people said, well, it's not about the uniforms. It's about the education and went on and on. They said, some kids don't want it. So do we move them out of the academy if they refuse to wear the uniforms? And we finally concluded, well, yeah, we are because the sense of pride and who they represent is that polo shirt they're going to wear. And it's going to, they're going to represent who they are. And when you, when you're dressed a certain way and you have that, that logo, you act differently or you're expected to act with certain expectations. And I think that was a big part of the success of the Academy. People felt like they were a group and they were representing something bigger than themselves. And it's not only, you can't only do that through philosophy and thoughts, but you have to really show it to them and make it visual. And that's the power of logos. Sure. You know, in another school and our listener commented on this, you know, students, to me, the, the market of success is when a child can share your own story. As a leader, as a teacher, if you, you can um, cultivate it and create that climate and culture within the school, but it's when the students are talking about it. And I have lots of different examples. One of our uh, students in one of the schools in Oceanside where I was the principal, it was school eight. This was a magical place. These kids understood that our morning meetings, that um, our uh, activities and school-wide celebrations, birthday parties that we did, this was all a part of the culture. And it was students who shared the story of this is what makes our school special. And when you, when you have, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds able to articulate that to you, you know that you have really done your job with your logo and your brand. And it can be simple things, um, you know, just as creating PTA events that are centered around what students want, what families want. It could be uh, the fact that we had bagpipers come in every March and kids looked up to that as an expectation that when they came in during the month of March, they knew they had a special day where one of our bagpipers would play and meet and greet all of our families. Or the last day of school when kids run out the door and ready to start summer and they have their pool noodles in their hand and we have a uh, a luau kind of atmosphere. It's all of those different celebrations and things that you articulate within your school that kids can take and it becomes part of your story. I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned in the beginning that you're, um, you had internal and external uh, factors with branding your logo or selling your story. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, uh, so for example, a uh, year of a million dreams, we were making a big promise. And, and it was pretty clear. If, if you come here, it's a year of a million dreams. That would capture people's imagination. Mm -hmm. Well, if I come this year, what, what is that all about? And so it was up to us back in the operation to say, you know what? We now, we have to create a million dreams this year. So we got everyone involved and we started brainstorming. And the marketing department came up with dreams. And they had ones like, you know, free cruises. And that's how we justified to build Cinderella's Royal Suite because we picked mm. guests randomly to spend the night there. But when you have a million dreams, you got to get really creative. And so we came up with pin lanyards and uh, uh, special pins we'd give people to trade with other guests to make their dreams come true. And we would do smaller things. And so everyone got involved with that. And it had a very specific logo and it gave us a, um, a course of action. We knew that, okay, well, this is a branding this year, but there's a specific course of action we need to take. We need to make dreams come true. And, uh, and during this year of a million dreams, and how are we going to do that? And that's how we sort of got our cast members really involved with it and started to, you know, create behaviors so they could be involved and bring what our guests saw in the commercial to life. You know, that's the big challenge every time you see a commercial for a product or experience. 
when you get there, sometimes you say, this doesn't look like the commercial. We wanted to be, even exceed what the commercial showed and deliver that promise because people trust the Disney brand. And they want to say, if you're going to do a year of a million dreams, then we're coming because we know you're going to pull it off. And that's the power of brand. Um, internally, uh, uh, same thing. It was about, okay, this, this is what we're trying to do for our guests. So let's look at behaviors that we expect of our cast members and then let's reinforce that. And even uh, we, we rewarded cast members and, and we asked them what their dreams were. And so a really, a great, a really cool experience I had, I got a call one day, I was a general manager of operations at the Magic Kingdom. And I got a call that uh, the leadership team in Japan had talked to their cast members and asked them what their dreams were at Tokyo Disney. And uh, a group of cast members said, our dream is to have one jungle skipper from each park around the world. We all get together for a week and, and, and meet each other and exchange stories about the jungle cruise and the history wow. of the jungle cruise and tell all the corny jokes. Right. And so uh, they, they called me and they said, in two weeks, you need to give us a name of one jungle skipper who we're going to fly to Japan, all paid. They're going to talk to the media. They're going to be part of this experience. And uh, boy, I, you know, it sounds like a fun idea, but man, it was, uh, I told my team, this is a great opportunity to mess up a great opportunity. So we, at the time it was uh, American Idol was the big thing. So we checked everyone's record cards and we brought them in and we interviewed them. And then we had them, we brought them into a conference room and we, and as they walked in the conference room, we said, okay, welcome. Uh, and it was like some of the VPs and general managers. We said, welcome. The, we're now, we're at the conference table. We're in a jungle cruise boat. Take us on a cruise. And some people just cracked. They just walked out and said, I can't do this. And at the end, Beth, Beth came in. She didn't miss a beat. And she took us on a whole Jungle Cruise tour in that conference room. And I felt like I was on it. And when she walked out, I said, we got our person. And we sent her over to Japan. She had to get her passport quickly and all that kind of stuff. But that's the, that's the, the extent we wanted to go to to get our cast members to buy into the stories that we wanted to create for our guests. And so I think... Uh, you know, if you're making, you, you, once again, it's this chain, this value chain. If you can create these great experiences for your teachers, administrators, the students are going to feel that and they're going to be able to act out the same way. And you got to create experiences for everybody. Well, I think that's a great example, the year of a million dreams and uh, Beth who made it happen. You know, in our schools, I think about my time as a principal at Oceanside and in Oceanside, the, um, launched a campaign called OSD Go Read. And it's really quite successful as a way to get the entire community to read, um, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade students excited about reading. And they have really just keeping my eye on that because they have created such a... Um, I don't know, a contagious energy where kids are looking to the next thing. So book ninjas, planting books on park benches for kids to go and find. They get the book, they tweet it out. Uh, they also have vending machines that dispense books. They are doing, uh, using really video technology to launch and introduce different kinds of genres of books to students in, again, all elementary, middle, and high school level. So I think about building a brand and building a logo and building that climate where everybody wants to be a part of something, how Disney has done that so well, but there are so many different avenues that schools can take this, whether it's getting the entire community excited about reading, whether it's geared and centered on uh, our sports teams uh, within you know, the school system to build that camaraderie and, and build who we are. 
building a brand, starting with a logo, sharing your story, and then ultimately getting the students and parents to bring that story and further enhance it with their own voice, I think goes into uh, much of a school system's success, but also a company's success. So I yeah, think- those are that, that I love that I love that idea on creativity, and this is probably a whole other podcast we can do. But I'm reading a lot these days about creativity, innovation, and uh, there's this concept if you if you Google uh, you know innovation, creativity, and lateral thinking, and lateral thinking is the kind of stuff you're talking about. Okay, would you hide a book in a park under a bench and have kids find it? Well, no, that doesn't. You go to library to get a book, but lateral right. thinking says no. You do a ninja game because you're crossing an interest of kids with something you're trying to put together. And uh, there's, a, there's so many, and there's a very uh, specific technique you can use to start becoming creative and making these things fun. And you know, Walt Disney talked about that. He talked about uh, edutainment. That was his right. idea. Right. I, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna entertain you, but by the time you leave this attraction, you leave this area, you'll know some, a little more about the world. And uh, it's, uh, it's not easy to do, but when you can do it well, you get great results. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's what we're all about, what we're after. So thanks so much for joining us from France. Tell us where you are again, because it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. if you Google, it's called Les Beaux de Provence, L-E-S-B-A-U-X-D-E-P-R-O-V-E-N-C-E. And uh, it's a old, like I said, it's an old part of France. The interesting thing my wife was telling me on the way up here is uh, the Monaco, you know, the, 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 the family, um, the principality that has Monaco also owns the Bode Provence from like thousand years ago. Wow. This was part of there and they, they kept it. And so the, it's not really officially part of France. These are all the interesting details of history. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, enjoy Van Gogh there. Enjoy your time with your family. And we'll talk again soon. I'd like to just thank all of our listeners. Again, I encourage you to reach out if you have other topics that you would like to hear Dan and I talk about. We're more than willing uh, to get it up on the air. Again, thanks so much, Dan. You, you can, uh, listeners can reach Dan at dancockrell.com or myself, storch at me.com. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Let's.